You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about mental health, but first, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what is new with you? I want to share about some house updates we are contemplating and solicit input from listeners. Mm. We are looking at doing some updates in our kitchen. Nothing major, but my biggest issue with the kitchen right now is that everything is off-white or beige. Mm. We have off-white countertops, brown cabinets, tannish linoleum floor, and off-white walls. So the whole room is just that one color palette. (laughs) And we are not wanting to spend a lot of money, so we're not going to change anything about the cabinets or the counters or the main parts of the kitchen. Sure. But I think just changing the paint color will make a huge difference in how the room feels. Mm. And I have in my head that I would really like it to be aqua-ish, which feels like it could go in a number of directions. (laughs) Given your previous history with choosing paint colors. Yes. I told Neil that I wanted to paint it. And he said, I'm not sure how to say this and not be offensive. And I said, well, spit it out. And he said, you don't have a great track record with picking paint colors. And I thought, oh, yes, I agree. I was going to look things up on the internet. And he said, "Okay, good. (laughs) And I have done some internet research, but it still feels really hard to find color in that spectrum that isn't overly bright, right? but still like adds the pop of color that I'm looking for. So any listeners with an eye for design, I would love your input if there are great colors in that turquoise, teal, aqua spectrum that you think would brighten up a room without being a punch of color in your face that is overwhelming. (laughs) We're looking for more of a pop of color. Exactly. (laughs) I look forward to all suggestions. What's new with you, Abby? I want to share about a new shower cleaning method that is changing my life. Mm, Tell me more. I'm terrible at cleaning my shower. (laughs) (laughs) I think we both are, as previously discussed on the pod. But I heard about this from a friend on my Facebook mom group. And what she does is she takes one of those dish scrubbers that you can fill the handle of with stuff. Mm -hmm. And into the handle, she puts Blue Dawn dish detergent and white vinegar, not diluted at all. Hmm. Don't put the vinegar in first because that's what I tried and it just runs out the end because it's too liquidy. Mm -hmm. You have to put it in with the soap so it's viscous enough that it stays in the handle of the thing. (laughs) But then basically it makes with the scrubber on the end a really good cleaning solution for things like mold and mildew in your shower. And I'm not sure that it would work as well with tile. So we have Hmm. just a plastic shower surround. Mm -hmm. It works really well for that. But it is so much better than what I was doing before. So before, I was basically spraying this spray that had a lot of bleach. And I always felt like I was inhaling bad things for me. And I would wait a long time because it's an expensive spray. And so the shower would be really disgusting. So then I would have to use a lot. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it worked really well. But what I do with this is just once a week while I'm already in there showering, I just scrub mm. all the walls and the joints and even the shower curtain. Oh, yes. My shower curtain is disgusting right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so I just do it while I'm in the shower. It takes a few minutes and I am staying much more on top of it because it feels much easier and much less dangerous to my lung health. And it's also really cheap. I love the idea of having it in the shower, so it's just really easy to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big barrier to me of cleaning the shower, is having to get the supplies there and make it happen. Totally. 
I will also say that when we redid our shower, we picked tiles that can hide a lot of things. (laughs) Smart. Which has helped with me feeling on top of my shower cleaning even when I'm not. I love it. (laughs) But I will try this so that it will actually be clean. (laughs) And even if you're only slightly more on top of it, which is really what has happened with me, don't imagine that my shower looks pristine all the time, (laughs) y'all. I just feel slightly more on top of it than I did before, which is a vast improvement in the grand scheme of things. It's a step in the right direction. Love it. (laughs) Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest read, Sarah? I just finished Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. I've read a few of her previous books Mm -hmm. and didn't love any of them, but I really enjoyed the reading experience of them. That they were immediately engaging, had great characters, and was one of those books that you got lost in. Very compelling, for sure. Mm -hmm. And this is the same. (laughs) It's a novel that centers on Francis, but also changes perspectives between a number of characters. Francis is a romance novelist in her 50s, and... She's currently struggling and books herself a 10-day retreat at a health resort. There are eight other guests that are part of the retreat, so we hear from all of them and learn about the issues that brought them there and their personalities and what's going on with them. It seems like a normal health resort at first, but then quickly goes off the rails (laughs) and the guests get a much different experience than they expected. I loved the characters. I loved the pacing. I flew through it in two days. What I didn't like was the ending. Mm. You know how I feel about endings that get tied up in a bow? (laughs) Yep. Not my fave. So I might have a very different opinion than most readers of how the book concluded. I feel like if you're going to write an outlandish story, you just have to commit. (laughs) I was 100% on board and there for it when things started going bonkers. So the ending didn't feel like it matched to me when Mm. it tried to make it seem more normal, Mm -hmm. where I felt like, that was not normal. (laughs) (laughs) But that said, I would recommend it. It's never going to come down as one of my favorite books or amazing literature, but it was solid. It was engaging. And if you liked her previous books, you'll probably like this one too. Nice. What have you been reading? I recently finished the To All the Boys I've Loved Before series. So this is a series of three books by Jenny Han that starts with To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and then there are two others. Mm -hmm. And essentially, these are YA romances centered on Lara Jean, her family, and the boy she loves, particularly Peter. I really loved these books. I was not sure that I would love them as much. I feel like I've been hot and cold on YA over the last year or so, but I was all in (laughs) for these. These were some of my favorite YA that I read last year. Just really solid. The characters were lovely. I cared about a lot of them and figuring out what happened with them. I especially loved her relationship with her sisters and her dad. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say that the second book was my least favorite of the three, but it is worth, in my opinion, pushing through it for the last book, because I think I like the first and third books equally well. I definitely like the first book the best of all of them. Agree. I think it is the strongest. But I was equally happy to participate in the reading experience of the second and third books. (laughs) Totally. That's how I felt as well. And so from that perspective, I would absolutely recommend all of these books. And I think you've given a shout out to this already, but I want to give another shout out to the Netflix original movie Mm -hmm. that has the same name as the first book and actually follows it pretty closely, I think. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job with the actors. I think they did a really good job with the adaptation. And it's a really nice complete package to have read all the books and then watch the movie. Agree. 
And I think when I mentioned the movie in the past, I already gave this recommendation, but I'm going to do it one more time, which is I think it is a better experience to read the book first. Yes. And I don't always think that, but I saw the movie first and then realized it was a book and then started reading them. Uh. I don't know if it was that there were differences between the plot, because as you said, it follows it pretty closely. Mm -hmm. But I think reading the book was less enjoyable because I already knew the outcome and already knew the plot. And so it felt like, well, I'm just getting through this book to get to the next one to continue the story. Mm. Where I think if I just watched the movie afterwards, it would be this really great cherry on the top of the experience versus it took away from my reading experience. I 100% agree with that. And I'm glad you gave that recommendation because I think I did it in that order based on what you said. And I think that the movie has even more magic than the book. Mm, Yes. And being a movie, you get the characters in your mind how they are there and then don't get to have the full experience of imagining them yourself if you do the movie first. But if you've already watched the movie, I think you'll still like the books. Agreed. So today we're going to talk about mental health and how we take care of our own mental health. Let's start with just a general question. Sarah, what does mental health look like for you? For me, it means taking the time that I need for myself and also being really honest about how I am feeling so I know what steps I need to take to achieve mental health. When I am mentally healthy, I find I am more patient, kind, and less reactive, both to big and little frustrations in life. I also can put my feelings into proper perspective, where when I'm not mentally healthy, the spiral of doom and feelings (laughs) takes over much more strongly. Totally. What about for you? For me, I think the biggest aspect of mental health is being able to manage the demands of my life without feeling completely overwhelmed. Mm. Like you, poor quality mental health for me manifests in irritation and anger. And generally, I'm directing that toward loved ones. Mm-hmm. So if I notice a lot of that creeping in, it's probably time or pastime for me to do something to address it. Yeah. What do you think makes a positive impact on your mental health? The biggest one for me is sleep. If I don't get enough sleep, I am a miserable human being, both to myself and to others. <laughs> the same is also true of food. I do not do well if I am hungry and go to great lengths to make sure that does not happen. Another thing I found that helps is getting regular exercise. This is looking different to me than it did a few years ago. I used to feel like that meant going to exercise classes or doing mm. more intense workouts. Yeah. And I did and still do like the way that it feels when I'm done with that. Although still do is a little bit of a stretch since I haven't done that in a while. (laughs) (laughs) So right now for me, that looks more like biking where we need to go and also incorporating long walks, which is something I started doing in junior high school to relax and de-stress. And even now, every time I go on a walk, I think, why am I not doing this more? Mm. Because everything about it feels good. It's not just the after effect, the way that I would have felt with an intense workout in the past. It's the experience itself feels rejuvenating Mm. in addition to the effects that continue after I'm done. Rather than being miserable during a really intense workout and then being glad that you did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. I feel that same way about exercise. And it's so funny. We fill out this outline and get ready to talk about this. And I think the things that work for me for mental health are what work for you and probably what work for a lot of people that have positive influences on their mental health too. Yes. So for me, feeling healthy in my body is sort of this umbrella thing that includes physical activity, things like walking, which is my favorite form of exercise, and also eating foods that I crave and that feel nourishing 
I also find that things that have a big positive influence are the weather being sunny and being able to actually get outside and not just being in my house all the time, Mm -hmm. as well as, of course, getting enough sleep. And then feeling connected with loved ones is another thing that has a positive influence on my mental health. That's also on my list as well. If I'm not regularly having good conversations with friends and family, I definitely notice the lack. For sure. So on the flip side, what are the things that have a negative impact on your mental health? On the more trivial end, but something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is being cold. I always think the weather doesn't affect me, but then spring comes and I just see how much better life is with the windows open and sun streaming in Mm -hmm. and without having to take the gear on and off to be outside. Right. And the whole world just feels like a better, happier place. Another one I notice is if I'm spending too much time on my phone. It's not that I feel bad in terms of the comparison trap that I think a lot of people talk about. Mm -hmm. I don't feel bad about my life compared to people that I see on Instagram. I just feel bad about my life because I've spent a lot of time staring at a screen instead of doing (laughs) something that really fills me up. Right. If I'm reading a book or talking to somebody or even just sitting quietly, (laughs) that recharges me in a way that looking at my screen does not. Yeah. And the last one I'll mention is probably the one that has the biggest impact, which is not having enough time to myself to recharge. Mm. As an introvert, I really strongly need that time to myself. And if I'm not getting it, I notice immediately and it has a drastic impact on how I'm feeling and how I'm interacting with the people in my life. What are the things that have a negative impact on your mental health? So I think you mentioned a doom spiral earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is something that can quickly have an additive negative effect. So if I am feeling a lack of perspective and start doing what my mom calls awfulizing, where Mm. everything is awful, Mm -hmm. that's something that I notice can go downhill really fast, have an exponential negative impact. Yes. Sometimes I can catch it and sort of figure out a different perspective before that happens. But if I don't catch it, it's just a downward slide. (laughs) Another thing that definitely has a negative impact are feeling stuck in situations. So if something is frustrating, whether it's in my personal life or it's in the life of a loved one or even something that is a more community or worldwide problem, it really is hard for me to not feel like I have control to make them less frustrating or less horrible. And so that's another place that perspective helps, but it's also one that is sometimes hard to avoid. Yes. Related to that, I try not to have too much exposure to the news, especially stories that are troubling, because I think those can kind of negatively reinforce each other and all be not so good for mental health. Absolutely. So in terms of taking care of our mental health, I know that you and I both see therapists. Let's talk about how that has looked over the years. I started seeing a therapist a little over a year ago and had a great experience. Growing up, I don't think that I had a negative view of going to a therapist, but I would say that it was probably neutral Mm. and felt like something that wasn't necessary because it wasn't something that I saw modeled in my family. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think you have been the biggest influence for me on changing my perspective about mental health and looking at it in a different way and seeing all of the benefits, even if it feels like things are mostly okay, that therapy can be a great tool. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not that I felt like there was any stigma with seeing a therapist. I just felt like it wasn't something that I needed, which has turned out to be false. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it also felt overwhelming to find a care provider yes. because I'm very particular about the ways people respond to my feelings and felt mm-hmm. like I would be annoyed with many therapists and did not want to pay to be annoyed when I felt <laughs> like I generally have a good grip on my feelings and emotions and have fairly good perspective. Mm-hmm. But what finally pushed me to take the effort to seek out recommendations and find somebody that would be a good fit was that there was a particular issue that felt like it was putting a lot of pressure on my marriage. And it's not that I didn't have other people to talk about it with or that I couldn't have talked about it with Neil, but it felt like the healthiest thing to do to get an outside perspective and somebody who could be a neutral party and take the pressure off of Neil to be that person in this specific situation. Yeah. It felt like it was putting a strain on us that just didn't have to be there and that this was a very clear solution. I went in not sure what to expect, but every time I have gone, I've walked away feeling like I found a new angle on an issue or have another strategy to try or just a different way of thinking about it. And I have never left a therapy session feeling like it wasn't worth it. That's awesome. Tell us more about your experience with therapy. So as you said, I am a therapy evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. So I credit this to growing up in the family that I grew up in. My mom is a counseling psychologist. That's her job, is being a therapist for people. My dad also has an academic background in psychology. And one thing that he says that I tell people a lot who are considering therapy is that you don't have to be sick to get better, Mm -hmm. which is such a nice way to think of it. Like you said, there can be a lot of stigma around it, but that just takes the stigma right out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you are sick, it's also nice to have an option to get better. Yes. So I have been seeing a therapist off and on since college, I think. I went a couple times in college for specific stress-related situations and got some good perspective. But when I really started seeing a therapist regularly was in graduate school. Graduate school was a stressful time. There was also stuff in Andrew's family that was really stressful and hard. And it was just so nice to have somewhere that I could go every week and just fall apart. Mm -hmm. and feel like my feelings were accepted and like it was okay to be feeling them and then also start to work toward coping better. Absolutely. So I saw a therapist throughout graduate school and then when we moved here, I tried a therapist that was not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been helpful to have one at that point because moving is really lonely and it would have been nice to have some perspective on that whole situation and sort of how temporary it ended up feeling. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't go for a while until I started working at Duke and the work environment I was in was really challenging for me. And so then I sought out a therapist that was recommended by a friend and actually knew my therapist from Nashville because they'd gone to school together. Mm. And so that's a therapist that I've been seeing regularly since, I guess that was 2014. I used to go every week. Now I go monthly for maintenance, which I love, just that regular Mm check-in. I'm also really lucky that my insurance covers the current therapist that I have. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that can be a barrier for folks. I feel like that's a big barrier for me. I think I would have sought out therapy much sooner if it had been covered by my insurance in a reasonable way. It has been worth it to me to pay out of pocket Mm -hmm. when I've needed to go, but I think it has kept me from having a regular appointment the way that you're describing. And I'm sure many people are in that same camp where it feels like a luxury in some ways, even though it shouldn't be that way. I totally agree with that. The other thing I'll say about therapy is that Andrew and I have also done couples counseling off and on Mm -hmm. through the past 
like you said about your current therapist, I have never walked away from a session feeling like that wasn't worth it. Mm. And in many cases, especially with the couples counseling, I don't know why I feel more like that about the couples than the individual, maybe because I'm expecting the individual counseling to be great. Mm -hmm. But with the couples therapy, it has changed things about our marriage for the better that I thought couldn't be changed, Hmm. that I've really been surprised by how amazing it has been in some cases. Did you also find it hard to find a couples counselor that worked for both you and Andrew? Because that seems even more of a challenge with two different personalities needing to mesh with somebody as opposed to just finding one that works for you individually. I think that we have had pretty good luck. We did try several when we lived in Nashville. Part of the reason for that was that we were going to the student counseling center at Vanderbilt. And so they gave us a student counselor Mm -hmm. who maybe had never been in a long term relationship herself. And so we said, you know, this really is not quite what we need. And so then they gave us a more experienced person. Right. But it sort of brings up this thing that I feel about counseling, which is it's okay to try multiple people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) both for individual and for couples can be really annoying, but it is worth it to try and find the right fit. Apart from seeing a therapist, what do you do to take care of your own mental health on a regular basis? We've tried really hard to set up our lives with a slower pace in mind so that there is the time and space to take care of ourselves. Because for me, the biggest thing is having the time to implement all of those things we've already mentioned that have a positive impact on my mental health, like sleeping, reading for pleasure, connecting with friends and my spouse. When those things aren't happening, my mental health is not at its best. What kind of things do you do? I think I talked about this in the episode where we talk about how we get our news, but I try to limit my access to sensational or troubling media. Mm. My therapist in graduate school called an emotional cutting when I would continue to read and learn and investigate things that were clearly having a negative impact on my mental health. Mm -hmm. I've tried to shift from a super intense awareness of bad things happening to a more general awareness of bad things happening with focus on how can I use my position of privilege to make a call or give money or educate my kid about something Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on something horrible that I can't change. It feels like that action piece is really crucial, that having all of the information without the ability to take a step towards changing it leads to stress and unhappiness. Mm -hmm. And no improvement in the world. Totally. Something that I do semi-regularly, but that I would like to incorporate more, are mindfulness practices. I know this is something that you have loved and done a lot of. Mm -hmm. Yes. I do some of that. I would love to do more. I also got a light therapy lamp for Christmas, which I've used Mm -hmm. when we have long stretches of gray weather. And I do Mm -hmm. think that it helps. Tell me more about that. I'm curious about how often you do it and if you notice a big change doing it. Because as I said, the winter here is something where I don't think it's affecting me until I realize that it has. So I wonder if this would be a good proactive step for gray Indiana winters as well. I'm not sure how evidence-based it is, but there are tons of anecdotal things, you know, Amazon reviews, for instance, that say this changed my life. (laughs) What I have done is when it's a long stretch of gray weather and I know that it's something that is probably going to start dragging me down and making me feel miserable and like my life is horrible, Mm -hmm. I try and proactively plan to turn it on for 15 minutes while I'm eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. I do think that I feel more awake, whether that's placebo effect or not, it's fine. 
I'm happier if I'm more awake. I'm better (laughs) able to deal with my kid. I'm less irritated at my spouse. And so for me, I do think that it has had some positive impact. And in the grand scheme, it's like $40. So might be worth a try. Something to consider. What are the things that you have learned over the years about your mental health or mental health in general that you think of often that you think help you to maintain positive mental health? There are two that come to mind. One comes out of an interaction I had with my mom in eighth grade. I (laughs) forgot to turn in the final test for eighth grade English. I put it in my folder just before winter break instead of turning it in. Don't know how that happened. Sounds bizarre, but it's true. The day before we were supposed to go back, I was looking through and cleaning out my folder because everything was a mess. Mm -hmm. Found it. I remember the sensation of seeing that test (laughs) that I didn't turn in, all the blood draining from my face, just feeling completely paralyzed. Went up and talked to my mom, sobbing, feeling like it was the worst thing that had ever happened in the entire world. (laughs) And I just remember her saying, are volcanoes erupting because of this? Is the sun still going to come up tomorrow? (laughs) And I just remember thinking... Oh, you're right. This feels like the worst, most overwhelming thing that could possibly happen to me as an eighth grader. But the reality is that the problem was real and my feelings were real, but that it was a small problem in the big scheme of things. Really helpful perspective. Yes. And it's something I come back to, that I can accept my feelings, I can feel whatever I want to feel about the situation that I'm in, but I can also take a step back and put it in perspective and recognize and be grateful that most of the problems I've encountered in my life so far have been small problems in a big world. The other one that I will thank you for, because (laughs) this is something that you tell me, is that I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. Ooh, good one. I am responsible for my actions. I need to be respectful of other people, but it's not my job to monitor how they are responding to the world and to take that on as my own issue. I think that's helped create really healthy boundaries for me and confidence in my own actions moving forward. That's one of my biggest ones for sure is releasing control, releasing strong feelings I have about what other people are feeling. This has helped me as a parent. It's helped me as a spouse. It's helped me as a child of my parents and in my family of origin Mm -hmm. to think about making those boundaries around my own and other people's feelings and mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing, to be honest, that goes along with that is something that you said, too, which is accepting all of my feelings. If I am able to 100% accept all of my feelings, then I can also start to do that with other people, Mm -hmm. but not take them on and try and fix or solve or change them. Because I think there is a really fine line between being okay with what I'm feeling and what other people are feeling and acting like I'm okay with it, Hmm. but also still trying to problem solve around it. Mm -hmm. And so that baseline of accepting feelings, which comes a lot from mindfulness, right? Just being Mm -hmm. in the feeling and letting it wash over you Mm -hmm. without having self-judgment around it or anything like that has been huge for me in all of the work I've done around my mental health. I think that idea of having boundaries and not being responsible for other people's feelings is one of the things that pushed me to actually make the phone calls to get therapy as well, because Mm. I also think it's a fine line of relying on friends and family for support and becoming an emotional burden Mm. 
That's a line I'm still trying to figure out. But I felt for me, it got to the point where I am so thankful for all of the people in my life that are willing to listen to what I have to say and vice versa, that I love to hear about what's happening in their lives and be a support when I can. But that can become a burden at a certain point if you're repeating a cycle over and over without making progress forward. And that's another insight I've gotten from you as well, is that it's... One thing to share when you're doing something to improve the situation, and it's another thing just to keep sharing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and wanting to be proactive in my own mental health so that I don't cross that line and become a burden while still wanting to connect and share things with friends and family. And I don't know that I always strike the right balance, but it's something I'm aware of now that I don't think I was five or 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that's a hard one to learn, but definitely worth working on. Let's wrap up our conversation about mental health by talking about our favorite mental health resources. I love the Calm app, which I have shared on multiple occasions on this podcast. (laughs) I think there are many similar apps like Headspace and Smiling Mind are two other ones that I've heard of. When I am meditating regularly, I find that I'm less reactive in general, especially in my parenting, and that the techniques I have learned there have helped me when I am feeling anxious and when I'm having trouble turning my brain off to go to sleep. Mm. I've come back to some of the things that I've learned there to calm my mind and gain perspective and be able to let go instead of running things through my head over and over and over when there is no positive benefit to that (laughs) at two in the morning. The other resource that I've really enjoyed is listening to music more regularly in the last year than I have before. I've done this through streaming apps, but also just going to the library and getting CDs. (laughs) E got a CD player for her birthday, and it's been really nice to play something and all listen to that in that hour while we're getting dinner ready after the kids are home from school. That can feel like this very stressful time. And having music playing then, it just feels like it sets the tone in a different way and shifts everyone's mood for the better. Nice. What resources do you have to share? The first is a blog. Heather Armstrong writes the blog too. She used to update it much more regularly, but she has spoken very openly about her mental health, both long-term and sort of acute situations like around postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And one post that I always think of is a post about the autumnal equinox where she talks about the change of the light in March and September, Mm -hmm. and that for people who may already have mental health challenges or who are highly sensitive, that how the light changes can be really hard on them in their brains biochemically. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't talk a whole lot about the evidence around it. But that thought has been comforting to me. And it's something that I've come back to a lot because I think it's really helpful in putting in perspective how temporary mental health challenges can be. Mm. And I just really appreciate all of the writing that she has done around mental health. And I know there are other great bloggers and writers who have written about this stuff, but for whatever reason, her voice resonates with me even still. Yeah. And then the other resource that I want to recommend are the audio companion that accompanies the book Mindful Birthing by Nancy Bardak. And she's a certified nurse midwife who has adapted John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness-based stress reduction curriculum and philosophy specifically to childbearing and parenting. And so she has a whole book about it that you can read if you want. But you don't even have to read the book because the audio companion is all the meditations and her leading you through them. If you have Amazon Prime, you can stream them for free or you can buy them from Amazon or iTunes. For whatever reason, those guided meditations have worked the best for me of anything that I have tried. 
You talking about that reminded me of one more guided meditation resource that has been a big help in our family, which is meditations for kids to go to sleep. Mm. And the Calm app has sleep stories, and some of them are specifically for kids. HP has really enjoyed certain ones that are just adult ones. Somebody's reading the story with a really calm voice. It gets slower as it goes on. Mm -hmm. And when it's been hard to go to sleep, that's been a great thing to turn to and to lie down and listen to together. And I think is helping to teach some of those mindfulness ideas in a way that's really accessible for kids. Nice. That brings us to the end of our conversation around mental health. Listeners, we would love to hear from you about what mental health means in your life, and especially if you have resources to share with us and with the friendlier community that have helped support you to achieve positive mental health. Let's finish up by talking about what we've been eating. I went to share a very processed and delicious food. (laughs) Pigs in blankets are fast becoming a favorite at our house. Mm. How I make these is I buy the crescent rolls in the can Mm -hmm. and the little smokies, the beef little smokies. So they're really cows in a blanket, but let's just call them pigs for fun. (laughs) And then I cut the crescent rolls smaller, usually into thirds, and roll up these tiny sausages. And then you just bake them for 15 minutes. And it's awesome. It's something that has been great for in Plum's lunch because they're pretty good cold. Mm. And it's also something that I am excited about for a quick protein snack for me. Mm -hmm. Often I crave sugar or chips, which does not necessarily last me in terms of snacking. But if I pop a couple pigs in a blanket, I'm going to be in much better shape snack wise. Sounds like a win. What have you been eating? I've been enjoying these amazing green chili tamales from our co-op. I started loving tamales when I lived in Austin. There was a great place that sold them at the farmer's market. And then one of my friends there, who is also a listener, every New Year's, she has a party where you make tamales at her house. Yum. She has everything set out. Everybody gets to make some and then can take some home to freeze. From her, I learned how to do it. I made a huge batch right after E was born. I had a friend come visit me and I said, do you want to make a massive batch of tamales? Let's make it happen. And we did. And that was so nice to have for quick dinners Mm. to pop that in and just eat them or for lunches. I would love to make a huge batch of those again and have my freezer stocked. I'm not sure about accessing all of the ingredients here versus Mm. in Texas. Much easier to get in Texas, I bet. Yes, but I haven't looked into it at all because I haven't felt the motivation to do it. Enter the store where I can just buy them. (laughs) (laughs) They are not as good as the homemade ones or the ones in Texas. Sure. But they still hit the spot. It's perfect for a lunch when we don't have leftovers. And I've been loving them and really thankful to have them in my life. (laughs) Yum. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can do that on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I think you can cut that Okay, in. It'll be great. Good. <laughs> or not. That's also great. Though, honestly, by the time this comes out, I probably will have already done it because this isn't coming out for two months. But oh, well, it's, it's fine. fine. I'll hear what I should have done after the fact. <laughs> Maybe you'll have something to undo and that will be helpful then. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let me throw it back to you.